Thank you for making time to join us at the Calvary Baptist Church of the Ghana Baptist Convention as we hear the Word of God. This is Pastor Fred Digby. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Master, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come to hear your Word. Your Word truly guides us, directs us. As your Word comes forth today, we want to pause for prayer for all our listening friends, that you touch them at their point of need whether it's a need for spiritual death or physical wellness or even for money to pay their children's school fees or deliverance from all kinds of confusion or even a family feud or somebody who needs comfort because they've loved, they've lost a loved one. Gracious God, through the power of the media, we reach out to them. Pray also for those who lead the nations of the world that they see themselves as your vessels and instruments that will bring direction, comfort, share resources in an equitable way that your people will live and live a dignified life. We know you can help us do all of these things because we prayed in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We continue our study of the Bible looking at Jesus' behavior and teaching to his disciples. You see, when people are called disciples or they are called Christians, they are called to be like a master. Yes, the master has a plan and we have to play according to that plan. Otherwise, we are deceiving ourselves that we are Christians. He's our leader, he's our guide, and he forms a new community. And he wants certain characteristics to be part of that community. So do you see why people in uniform all wear the same uniform, unless you are not part of that. You wear that uniform, whether you're a police, you're a soldier, or some are granted exemptions. But in the cause of Christ, we are all to obey the laws that God has given us, the example he set for us. Nobody is above Christ's standard. If you really want to grow and be blessed by God, be obedient to his word. And one of the tough teachings he gives us, which needs supernatural endowment, you need the power of God to do it, is the teaching on forgiveness. It's forgive each other. Friends, it is not easy. For the Jews who are hearing this, coming from the Mosaic tradition, it was simple, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And ask yourself, when somebody blinds you and you also Make him blind. What do you get from it? Two blind people. When somebody pulls your tooth, what type of effort will you make to also remove the person's tooth? It may not be literal, but you may be planning how to show the person. So your heart is full of anger, bitterness, planning. Husbands and wives get into this. Parents against children. Nations against nation. And it's just a mess. All you spend your time and energy doing is planning retaliation or revenge. And I tell you, when you do that, another spirit possesses you. The spirit of the devil, the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of anger. But Jesus teaches his disciples a new way. Matthew 18, 15 to 35 is our background. Matthew 18, 15 to 35 is our background, but we'll take it step by step as we would do. 
Let me read for you Matthew 18 from verse 15 to 17 from the version called GW or God's Word. If a believer does something wrong against you, go and confront him when the two of you are alone. If he listens to you, you have won back that believer. But if he does not, listen, take one or two others with you so that every accusation may be verified by two or three witnesses. If he ignores these witnesses, tell it to the community of believers. If he also ignores the community, deal with him as a heathen or a tax collector. The problem here is simple. We wrong each other because we are human beings. We see differently. We understand differently. Our backgrounds are different. There are some who are fighters, who are extroverts. There are some who are quiet. We have all kinds of temperaments. And when we come into a community, live in a nation, live in a church, live in a small group, live in an office, we work in an office, we are married, whatever we are, there are bound to be challenges and difficulties. God is not denying that. He's not, because he knows we are not perfect. That is why he gave you his spirit to lead you and guide you. That is why he gave you his word to teach you how to correct what is wrong. And here's God's plan to make things right between believers. Misunderstanding destroys God's work. If you go on and somebody hurts you, and all you do is go and go and go on and be planning revenge, it doesn't please God. Look at how God says, if the person has sinned against you, has hurt you, then you go to that person. Go and confront him when the two of you are alone. First step, the two of you are alone. Oh, Kofi, you wronged me. Amma, you wronged me. Oh, my dear husband, or oh, my dear wife, no, I was offended. I was hurt. I didn't understand what was happening. Go and tell that person. If he listens to you, you have won back that believer. So first step, beloved, first step, go to that person alone. That is God's commandment. Then step two, if he does not listen, take one or two others with you so that every accusation may be verified by two or three witnesses. So you go into some dialogue. Look, this is what I have noticed. I've gone to talk to this brother. I still see the coolness. He won't talk to me, but we are in the same choir. We are, we are the same ushers. We go to the same church. We will say we are all believers. We are all praise leaders. Please, I need us to sit down and talk. So you take two or three, so that there are four or five of you. Friends, up to this point, the Lord is not asking you to go and broadcast it to third, fourth, fifth persons. All he's trying to do is all those who you are saying this to must be a part of the solution. So first, one by one. Second, you take a small group with you. So if he ignores these witnesses, tell it to the community of believers. So here's somebody who has wronged you. You say it and he will not. Then the third step, you take it to the community of believers. How do you take it to them? I have imagined because it is in the context of discipleship, in the context of love. What do you do with your family members who are difficult? You love them, you pray for them, but you all know that they have a challenge and ask people 
to pray with them, to pray for them, and to help them, and see whether they can also prevail on that person to learn to forgive, to mend their ways, and do better. Then if he also ignores the community, deal with him as you would a heathen or a tax collector. As a fourth step, what do we do with unbelievers and tax collectors? We pray for them, that God will change them. For God is not interested in the death of anybody. So, Christ laid down his standard clearly because misunderstanding destroys the work of God. Yet love allows the work of God to flow. Then, verse 18 throws more light on it. Verse 18, I guarantee this truth. Whatever you imprison, God will imprison. And whatever you set free, God will set free. What is he saying here? Prayer power keeps Satan from hindering the work of God. So you soak everything in prayer. Yes, we're forgiven. God has forgiven us. We're not going to allow the devil to take advantage of us. Whatever you imprison, God will imprison. If you agree, you say we're forgiven each other. We agree that there will be peace in this community. We agree on healing. We agree on giving, we agree on this purpose. God will hear us and do what he has promised to do for us. So that's the power. Power, prayer keeps Satan from hindering the work of God. Then he goes on. I can guarantee again that if two of you agree on anything here on earth, my Father in heaven will accept it. If only two people agree and join together in prayer, that prayer has great power, has great potential. We agree that this brother has a challenge, this sister has a, a character that we don't like. We're praying that he will grow. We're praying that they will have a job. We're praying for their family. We're praying on anything God talks about. Prayer, that brings results. Then two or three, where two or three have come together in my name, I am there among them. Wow! What a bold teaching. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there among them. Even when Jesus was alive, he wasn't where two or three are gathered. But now that he's gone to heaven, we know he's everywhere. His spirit, in assures us, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there among you. So when you are sitting in front of that brother, that sister, telling them, do the right thing, or are confessing, I am sorry, or in prayer, Lord, I need help. Lord, I need this breakthrough. The Lord is listening to you. He hears you. He hears all you are doing. But are you willing to receive this forgiveness? Are you willing to receive His power? Are you willing to utilize this prayer? Are you willing to recognize that the Lord is there when people were asking you to forgive them? Then Jesus gives the big one. Verse 21 to 22, encouraging us to forgive at all times. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how often do I have to forgive a believer who wrongs me? Seven times? Jesus answered him, I tell you, not just seven times, but seventy times seven. Whoa! Peter, just human like us. The rabbis taught that if somebody sins against you the first time, you forgive. Second time, you forgive. 
the third time you retaliate. Show him. Show them that you also can do the wrong thing. You also can insult them. You can abuse them. You can do anything against them. So Peter comes to Jesus. And Jesus is telling him this. Now, what he is saying, he is not teaching you to go and count 70 times 7, 490, marking it on the wall. Oh, Kofi sinned against me today. First one, number one, you mark it. Then I draw that something. Number one, you mark it. Oh, Kofi sins against number two. I draw number two. Then Henry does something against you. You mark it. Number three. So you spend all your time marking when the person will get to 70 times 7 so that you can retaliate. And can you imagine how you use your time? How you use it? You see, Jesus is telling you to have a picture of yourself. How unproductive you can be. If you choose not to forgive people, you'll be counting their sins, entering them into your diary, eating that poison, refreshing your memory. It is there, it's in your calendar. He sinned against me, she sinned against me. But wait a minute. Don't you sin against anybody? Don't you hurt people also? And what do you expect? You expect people to forgive you at all times. So God says, you also forgive at all times. It is a sign of true Christianity. You want to ask me, who can do that? Friend, who can do that? Nobody in their flesh can do that. It is only the Spirit of the living God that can help us do it. Because He came to take us and take our natural habits, our fleshly habits, and change them so that we can become His true children. These are the tests of love. I mean, these are the tests of being spirit-filled. This is the test showing that you are an obedient child of God, showing that you are growing in Him. But as for somebody insulting you and you also insult Him through character assassination, through telling lies, even the demons do it and they do it very well. But as a child of God, God rebukes that spirit in you. He wants you to be a champion for Him, showing the world a different thing. Why has Mandela become such a giant in this world? He chose to ask people to forgive. Why? People like Gandhi became symbols because they chose not just to be pacifists, but to show people that violence will not help anybody. And by their self-control composure, by their declarations, people have now learned that World War will not help anybody. They destroy everybody. War is a big destroyer. Enmity is a big destroyer. Envy is a big destroyer. That's what the Bible clearly tells us. The greatest of it is love. Now, how do you practice this? Matthew continues with verses 23 to 27. Let us listen to the parable of Jesus. See, Matthew 18. 23 to 27. That is why the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to do this, a servant who owed him millions of dollars was brought to him. Because he could not pay off the debt, the master ordered him, his wife, his children, and all that he had 
to be sold to pay off the account. Then the servant fell at his master's feet and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay everything. The master felt sorry for his servant, freed him, and cancelled his debt. Wow, amazing. You owe, you owe. Jesus gives this simple parable to explain a truth. The man owed 10,000 talents. And the Living Bible says it was the equivalent of $10 million. So he owed a lot of money. And he couldn't pay, even though he made a promise. Like many of us who make promises and promises, we pledge, you don't fulfill the pledge. You say you do this, you do the wrong thing. What do you expect? The state will punish you, God will punish you, those who did the wrong thing against, you want them to punish you. No. When the man was caught, he asked the king to forgive him because he and his family were going to be in trouble and the king forgave him completely. He just looked at the man and had pity on him. How is he going to pay the $10 million? If he sold his house, his wife, his children, how is he going to pay? He had pity on him. You see, we go about asking God to forgive us, to forgive us, to bless us. He has blessed us with forgiveness. He has taken away our sins, millions and millions of dollars in sin. If sin were being sold, how we offend God. We offended God, we offend Him, we will still continue doing that. And we always ask Him for forgiveness. He willingly forgives us. But we don't see it. We don't appreciate it. Therefore, we may not live a life of gratitude and be willing to forgive others. Then look at the problem. Something else happens. This man, who has been forgiven, shows another characteristic. But when that servant went away, he found a servant who owed him hundreds of dollars. He grabbed the servant he found and began to choke him. Pay what you owe, pay what you owe. He said to him, Then that other servant fell at his feet and begged him, Be patient with me, I will repay you. But he refused. Instead, he turned away and had that servant put into prison until he would repay what he owed. You see, what a wicked man. Yes, what a wicked man indeed. The man who was forgiven by the king went away and saw somebody who owed him about $2,000. Somebody who owes $10 million and it was forgiven. Now see somebody who owed him $2,000. The man who owed the money asked for forgiveness. And he used the same words. Please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Listen to his language in verse 29. Then the other servant fell at his feet and begged him, Be patient with me, I'll repay you. The servant is asking him for patience, I'll repay. $2,000 may be difficult, but this man is able to pay. Oh, well, what did the guy do? No way, no way. Verse 30 said, But he refused. Instead, he turned away and had that servant put into prison until he will repay what he owed. How wicked can human beings be? How forgetful can we be? Although he had been forgiven such a huge debt, 
by the king. He had no patience towards the man who owed him the money. He had no forgiveness in his heart. He had forgotten that he himself has been forgiven so his spirit can be free to serve God. The 10 million was wiped away. How much has God forgiven you? How much? Can you quantify it? Can you buy money? You see, when God forgives us, he wants us to forgive others. Yet how often we are critical towards other people. Even when God has forgiven them, we still remember their past and hold it against them. Oh, this man was a thief. He's a liar. Look at this church elder. He was a womanizer. Look at this woman. Who is she? Who is that? And we gossip and we lie and we say all kinds of things and hold their sins against them, just trying to smear them. Remember, this word from Jesus is to his community, the community of those who love him, the community of those who are his disciples, the community of those he's teaching and training. He's holding up the mirror to our eyes. Lord, touch my heart. Lord, touch the heart of your children who are listening. That when we fall into this pit, instead of loving you and living in forgiveness, we become a tool of the devil, destroying each other. Today, Lord, help us break that yoke. Lord, help us keep the tongue in check. Help us that your mind will fill our mind, that our spirits will be revived. Lord, that the things that we have said, that have bound us, that have made us tools of the devil, today we experience your love and your forgiveness because we are walking in the light. What's the principle here that Jesus is trying to teach us? He says that clearly in verses 31 to 35. The other servants who worked with him saw what had happened and felt very sad. They told their master the whole story. Then his master sent for him and said to him, You evil servant, I cancel your entire debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have treated the other servant as mercifully as I treated you? His master was so angry that he handed him over to the torturers until he would repay everything that he owed. Verse 35. That is what my Father in heaven would do to you if each one of you does not sincerely forgive other believers. Can I read again? Matthew 18.35 If the Bible is yours, mark it. Mark it. That is what my Father in heaven would do to each of you if you do not forgive, sincerely forgive other believers. The Lord is telling us here. God is everywhere, we've been told. He watches us. He put his spirit in us. Those who sin against you, forgive them. Ask God grace to forgive. Forget. Don't hold it against them. It's difficult, but he wants you to do it. He'll give you the power. So he's giving you this parable. The king who forgave became very angry with the servant who refused to forgive others. Christ is telling us the attitude. That will hurt him. And that will hurt us eventually. Christ will treat the unforgiving person in the same way that he treated the unforgiving man. The king sent that man away into the torture chamber until every last penny, every last peswa is paid. Is that what you want God to do for you? Are you asking God for a miracle? 
Are you asking God for a breakthrough? Are you asking God to guide you? Are you asking God to help you to grow like him? And remember this teaching of Jesus. Forgiveness is the way of the Christian. Today, as you listen to me, you may not even have made that prayer your prayer because you think you have sinned against God so much. Two types of prayers, two types of people that are listening. You've never made a decision for Jesus. Can you pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I hear you came to die for me because of my sin, my disobedience. Today, I come to you as that child. I owe so much. Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me and use me that I may experience your love and your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe you heard me. Therefore, I thank you. Amen. If you are a believer in Christ and you've been spoken to by the word of God, you hate your mother, you hate your father, you hate your pastor, you have people on your list you've not forgiven since you were a child. Look, we are human beings. Somebody hurt you. Sometimes you are able to remember, but ask God to take that bitterness away. That you develop a gentle spirit towards that person. If you're a believer, ask God to give you the strength, the courage, the ability to do what he has asked you to do. To be that Christ-like person. Christ on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Would that be your prayer also? Asking God to forgive all those who sin against you. And I tell you, he will hear that prayer. He will give you that spirit. Before we conclude, let us pray. But I pray for all of us who are called believers. See, by their love, all will know that we are yours. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. May our joy be reinstated. The thing that the devil has stolen from us, we've allowed him to take it away from us. So we live in unforgiveness and therefore be subject to all kinds of affliction, diseases, poverty of the spirit, of the soul, be gone in our lives. Do this for us. In Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name we pray. Amen.